guys look tired. <laughs> I always tell Bethany, um, we have to brace ourselves because these are marathon Sundays for us. Um, whether you have kids or not, it's a long, long Sunday, but um, physically we're tired, but spiritually we're full, so um, lots to be thankful for for long Sundays like this. So tonight we're going to be reading um, 1 Samuel chapter 12, verses 23, and that's going to be on page 242 in the Pew Bible. 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. And I'll go ahead and read the passage and uh, pray for us. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Father in heaven, we need you right now, God, and we ask for your help to teach us and to transform us as we hear your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have you ever been rejected? Maybe, I mean, we can all think of examples, right? But maybe um, you applied for a job. You know, and you thought you did really well, you're feeling good about it, and obviously after a job interview, you, um, you wait for the call, you wait for the interview, and maybe a few days pass, a week passes, no call, no email, and you, you soon realize, I, I didn't get the job, you know, and that sinking feeling of rejection um, becomes a reality, right? Or maybe you've been rejected um, for following Jesus. Maybe you were standing up for what you believed in and um, because you set your allegiance to Christ in return, you were faced with rejection. Or maybe more commonly here, we're church family, right? Maybe you try to confront a brother or sister here um, that was sinning, and um, you talked, and at the end, they ended up rejecting you. And the truth is that rejection hurts, and it's not easy, and sometimes we don't know how to respond how to be when we're rejected, or even how to encourage a person who is rejecting God. So tonight, we're going to be looking at a response from 1 Samuel, um, Samuel the prophet, who was the last judge who mediated between God and Israel during the time of the judges. And he was rejected by Israel because, he wanted, because Israel wanted to be ruled by an earthly king at the time. So he was a judge, and they wanted a king. And um, But more importantly, it's, it's important to note that they were not just rejecting Samuel in that moment, but they were actually ultimately rejecting God. And Samuel, um, the Bible says he was displeased and rejected. He didn't respond in bitterness. He wasn't angry. He didn't ignore them. But he responds instead by being devoted to them in prayer and in teaching. And so tonight, the two main points that we're going to be focusing on are 
One, remember God's mercy. And point number two, reflect God's mercy through prayer and teaching. So number one, remember God's mercy. Number two, reflect God's mercy through prayer and teaching. So I know we're all tired, and um, I only have 15 minutes, so I'm going to try to briefly walk us through the story that's going to lead us to the point in our text here where Samuel responds to Israel. And then I'll point out a few applications. So here in 1 Samuel, it takes place during a time, um, a transition period of rule from judges to kings. And in this time, God was ruling over the people of Israel through the judges and at this point of the story, the first king, who is Saul, is anointed and begins his rule. And this change from judges to king takes place after God granted Israel's desire to have a king instead of a judge, who was, for Sa who was Samuel. And we see this in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And this is again uh, the, um, the Israelites talking to 1 Samuel. And they say to him, look... You are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Therefore, appoint a king to judge us as same as all the other nations. So basically, they tell Samuel, dude, you're old. It's time for you to go. Your sons are doing a terrible job of leading us, and we want to be like the other nations. We actually want a king. So... Like Samuel typically did, he was a man of prayer, he was a godly man, and he prays to the Lord. Remember, he was displeased at this moment, and the Lord responds and tells Samuel, Samuel, they haven't rejected you, they've rejected me, and they rejected my rule over them. So, the way that God responds to them is by showing his power and his might. So, in the middle of the summer, he sends a huge thunderstorm, and the Israelites are terrified. They're fearful because they recognize the power and might of God. And this also then kind of shows them that they were wrong. And so, they plead to Samuel. And it says in 1 Samuel 12, 19, they, pray, they, they tell Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants so we won't die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. So at this point, Israel's desperate for help. They're weak and they recognize that they were wrong. And again, Samuel could have rejected them and said, Sorry, I'm no longer your judge. You actually took me out of my job, so there's nothing I can do. Go to Saul, your king. He's your new king, right? But no. Samuel told them, do not be afraid. And he reminded them of God's faithfulness and mercy and that God was not going to abandon them because they were God's people. So here in our text, where Samuel responds to them... He says, so this is Samuel responding to Israel. As for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. And here we see he shows his commitment to God and to Israel by praying and teaching. And he brings up an interesting point because he says, 
Basically, if he doesn't pray for them, he's sinning. And I think that there are two reasons for, the, for him saying this. One, as a prophet, his job was to pray for the people. His job was to teach the people, to guide the people of Israel. This is what God called him to do. And even though they were rejecting God, Samuel was sure set to obey God and serve God's people in their moment of weakness. And the second reason is because he recognized God's mercy for Israel despite their rejection. From the moment that God brought Egypt out of Israel up into that point, they rejected God. And so through seeing this and even experiencing God's mercy for Israel, Samuel was able to respond by graciously praying and teaching them. So what can we learn from Samuel today? How does this apply to BBC? Maybe we have some friends here today that are Christians, maybe not. Well, one, which is going to be our point number one, remember God's mercy. So Samuel showed God's mercy. Um, I'm sorry. Samuel showed God's people how merciful God was to them despite their rejection. So before in the chapter, he tells them this. Now present yourselves so that I may confront you before the Lord about all the righteous acts he has done for you and your ancestors. When Jacob, and Egypt, when Jacob went to Egypt, your ancestors cried out to the Lord, and he sent them Moses and Aaron, who led your ancestors out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot the Lord their God. So the question is, how can we respond to others when we feel rejected? Or when we see someone who maybe was sinning or struggling, but they want to repent, or maybe they've already repented, but at the same time, we feel hurt and rejected, and it's just messy, and we don't know what to do. Well, we can put God at the center of the situation by remembering God's mercy or helping them see God's mercy to encourage them and to strengthen them. Church family, if we truly live life on life with one another, at some point you will reject someone or someone will reject you because we still sin and that's inevitable, right? But one of the ways that we can respond when we are rejected is to remind a brother or a sister about God's mercy. Because speaking of the kindness of God does something to our heart, right? The, the kindness of the Lord is what leads us to repentance. And the second way that we can do this is point number two is by reflecting God's mercy through prayer and through teaching. So we know that all throughout scripture, the Bible commands us to teach and to pray. So what I'm going to do, you don't have to turn there. I'm just going to go through, kind of rush through different um, scriptures that command us to teach and to pray. So Colossians 4.23 says, devote yourselves to prayer, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, right? That's what we had this morning. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray constantly. 
James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. And the Great Commission, Matthew 28.20, right, to make disciples, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. So we know that the Bible is clear about what we're supposed to do, right? Teach and pray. That, that, that's, that's true. And it's good, but what I want us to focus on is that we pray and teach to one another so that it points us back to the mercy of God. And that's what Samuel does here in chapter 12, verse 23. So this means that if a brother or sister is weak and struggling, your prayer and teaching should draw them to focus on following Jesus. Practically, how do we do this? This week, I think there were maybe about four people who reached out for prayer, who had a need, church members. One of the things you can do is just respond. Respond to the email, pray for them. And you can pray for them through your prayers because it's a prayer and it's an opportunity to teach them for us to remind them of God's mercy in their life specific to their struggle specific to what they're going through. And I think that the, this idea of a merciful prayer is best exemplified by Christ himself. While he was hanging on the cross, mocked, beaten, betrayed, and rejected, he responded with a prayer of mercy. Jesus knew what he was about to go through for those who rejected him. Not just the people who were there, but you and I. And he prayed, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. This is the gospel, that Christ came to live a perfect life. He died an innocent death and rose from the dead, defeating sin and death and allowing for our broken relationship to be restored with God. Because of his mercy, you and I can pray and teach the word because the spirit now lives in us. And if you're not a Christian, you're probably thinking, well, I don't pray to God anyway. How does this relate to me? Well, you've rejected God, but you too have access through God in prayer through Jesus. If you repent from your sins and place your trust in Jesus today, he bridges the gap between God and repentant sinners through his mercy and resurrection power. And this is part of receiving the gospel. It's praying and teaching others. BBC family, like Samuel, who vowed to pray for Israel, we too committed to praying and even teaching one another through our church covenant. We read it this morning. We have an obligation to one another. So for all of us here tonight, look around. These members are the people 
that you vowed before the Lord to pray for so that we do not sin against the Lord. And at the end, church, we don't know who God is going to save. We don't know how he's going to be working. So we need to vow that we will not give up on each other. So let's recognize God's mercy in each other's life and reflect God's mercy through prayer and teaching. Let's pray. Father in heaven,